0: To Totalis Rankium. This
1: week, Warren Harding, Part One.
0: Hello, and welcome to American Presidents Totalis Rankium.
1: I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all of the presidents from Washington to Trump, and this is episode 29.1. It's the first episode of Warren Harding But before we start, I just need to pass on to future us Who have recorded a message at the end of this episode Thanks, past me Um, Yeah, uh, I don't know if you, listener, know Harding's story But um, things get a bit risque, shall we say Saucy Uh, A bit who uh, were missus
0: yeah uh, we, we like to be like a pg podcast yeah pg 13 at
1: a push this has pushed it <laughs> it has pushed it no actual explicit language is used but uh let's just say we are something deep in innuendo.
0: yeah
1: yeah uh, <laughs> to, to be fair most of it is the president's own words so. that is true yeah uh, but just just to warn you just in case, uh, things, things get a bit blue at times Yeah, I yeah. had
0: to fan myself down at one point, yeah. my
1: goodness Anyway, Ooh. with that, let's go back to a time where we were more innocent at the start of this episode <laughs> Let's uh, head back to past us Thanks future me, let's start, let's do an intro shall we This is episode 29.1, Warren Harding
0: i got to say, I love that the first few sentences of the book he posted on Twitter about Warren Harding has said, uh, possibly one of the worst presidents.
1: Oh, yes, yes. No, it does say that. Yeah, the biography I'm reading, the first sentence is, in fact, it's right here. I'll read it. Warren G. Harding is best known as America's worst president. (laughs) Full stop. It's a strong opening for a biography. That
0: is. Um, uh, you, you're not building it up much there, are you? It's No. I, it's sort of downhill from here
1: sort of vibe to it. And also, I'd argue, uh, who's he to judge? Yeah. Yeah. Surely that's our job. Exactly. As totalis hosts yeah. to judge whether he is the worst. But we'll see. Are you looking forward to this one? <laughs> yeah, I am.
0: And I do know something about him as well. He's one of the ones on my oh, yeah? radar.
1: He yeah. dies. What, what? He dies? Yeah.
0: At some point. When... When does he die? I know he dies in office. I can't remember how. Oh, you know that? Yeah, I I, I don't know if he gets Ah. assassinated or it's something else, but I I, I do know that. He's one of the wrongs that ring a a bell in my head.
1: In which case, if I knew you knew, I would have changed my notes slightly. I purposely left out the fact that uh, Coolidge is his vice president and I don't mention him at all. Because I knew that you knew he was a president and you put two and two together. Uh, So, yeah, well, well, I'll tell you what then. To leave yeah. that part of the episode I'll pretend I don't know and we I remember yeah, I didn't say it's that It's fine, magic of edit yeah. uh, No, it's fine, it's fine <laughs> that you know that he dies It's a bit like um, a murder mystery Where you know someone's died oh, But you don't know who did it, it It's like Yeah, you, <laughs> you're going to be on the, the edge of your seat All through episode two <laughs> yeah. just, just waiting for happen? something it gonna to happen, happen? When's he going to die Yeah, okay, it's fair enough You know he dies Right, if that's all you know about him Yeah, that's it then believe me, you don't know the most interesting things about him. Mm. And I'm also going to say uh, Harding is, I'd say, one of the top three presidents. I was thinking of looking forward to doing when we first started the podcast. Really? Oh yes, I've been waiting for this one, Jamie.
0: Why? Everyone, a lot of people putting on the comments. I <laughs> say, oh, I love Harding. Like, why?
1: He's You're not a name that stands to... out, other than that You're dies. You're going to find out, Jamie. Today? You're going to find out. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, you are. Oh, but... He doesn't marry his sister or something, does he? <laughs> no. No, he doesn't. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> let's start. Let's do an intro, shall okay. we? Okay. Let's start with a flashing light. Just a flashing light. Yeah. Okay. Start with a flashing light. It's a flashing light because electric lights are still a bit useless and they flicker in every now and again. There's a man at his desk looking up at the electric light flickering away. Very annoyed because he's trying to write a letter. He's thinking very, very hard about writing this letter. And um, he's just sort of whispering to himself and scratching scratching his head. He looks a bit confused. Uh, Sebastian? No. Uh... Gerald? Oh, Gerald's not bad. No. Tom? Um, Fred? He's, he's just going through these names. He's looking bit confused, and every time he says one, he's, he shakes his head slightly disappointed in himself. Um, Bill? No. Harry? Jerry? Yes, Jerry. I've got it. And then a smile appears on his face. He looks down... And he starts to write. Warren Harding, part one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I thought you go, you going into him choosing a, a child's name here? Is that what he's doing? No. <clears throat> okay.
1: Oh, by the way, for anyone listening who knows what I'm doing here, I apologise for being 12 years old because, uh, yeah. That's how immature I am. Trust me, Jamie, you're looking very confused. It will make sense, and then you'll get to join in. But we do need to go through the episode for it to make sense. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's
0: do this then.
1: Okay. (laughs) We are going to start with George Tyron Harding. A good name. Tyron? Good middle name. Not enough Tyrons around anymore, is there? Was it Tyron or Tyrone? Uh tyron spout t-y-r-o-n oh yeah i wouldn't say that tyrone but maybe it was pronounced that way yeah. um pronounced with an american accent for a start so. tyrone yeah well yeah there you go that sounds yeah. a bit like tyrone and we do need to focus on this because no one called george george they all called him tyron or tyrone or tyrone, tyrone. depending <laughs> yeah uh, and at the age of 20 tyrone had uh, signed up <laughs> Uh, to fight for his country, joining the 96th Ohio Infantry. However, Tyron's career as a soldier did not last long, because he was sent home for medical reasons a few weeks after signing up. Oh, was it bone spurs? No, no, it seems real, this. um... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was genuinely quite ill. Uh, He hadn't even left the state. The war hadn't really begun for him. However, he spent his time recovering at home, and some other activities with his wife. Uh, Because then he went back into the service. And he did some war stuff we're not going to go into, but he didn't get too much uh, caught up in the fighting. And then his half caught up with him again, and again he was sent home for half reasons. But this was pretty good, because his young wife Phoebe was pregnant with their first child. So he arrives home just in time. When he says their first child... Oh yeah, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. He he went home. I remember for a bit. Oh, because he was injured. Because he was injured. Not, I mean, not too injured for that, obviously. Well, obviously but. not. No. Uh, and ill, not injured. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't so, believe him, do you? No.
0: Sorry, sir. I need to go home. I've got an extreme
1: case of horniness. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I, happened. I need some relief. <laughs> like foul, like sun. Um, huh? Again, we'll get into that later. But, so yeah, Phoebe's uh, Phoebe's pregnant. And she gives birth to their first child in November 1865, Warren Gamaliel Harding was born.
0: We're going to get complaints about that name, aren't we?
1: Oh yes, we certainly are. Gemaleel? Gamaliel? G-A-M-A-L-I-E-L. It, it's an old, uh, I looked into it, it's an Irish? old, uh, no, no, an old um, biblical name. Mm. That's what it is. One you don't see very often anymore. No i no. heard of it. But there you go. So that's, that's the G in Warren G. Harding for you. Yeah, uh, Phoebe, uh, the mother, had wanted to call him Winfield, uh, but she was outvoted. Good. Possibly because that's an awful name. Yes. <laughs> I apologise to all the Winfields who are listening. <laughs> Warren was the first of eight children that the family would have. So, nice big family. And when Warren was small, they moved to their own house on the Harding family farm. Now the parents of the little boy soon realised that this little boy is quite bright, uh, surprisingly so. He's glowing, sir. But at the age of four, apparently, he was so eloquent for his age that he entered into an oratory competition. What? Yeah, I couldn't find out whether this was like against grown men or whether it was just a oratory competition for four-year-olds, yeah, yeah. in which case, I'd quite like to see one of those. Yeah. Uh, but apparently he impressed. He did very well. Uh, if we can believe another story, when he was five years old, he heard a bell tolling in the distance, and apparently he looked up from doing something probably quite fancy and said, <laughs> The bells are ringing for George Washington. Some day they will ring for me. He did not say that. He did, with that no, deep voice didn't. and everything. That's what he said. <laughs> and then, then he did a little bit of a wee and everyone clapped. Yes, it went into the potty and everything. My urination springs forth into
0: the bowl and chalice of destiny. For someday I shall too be president. Yeah. And show wee-wee in the White House. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, So
1: there you go. Smart kid is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Apart from reading and talking, he was also into music as well. He spent a lot of time learning the cornet and singing, apparently. Doing quite well. Uh, Meanwhile, his parents were trying to better the family fortune. Uh, Both of them, in their spare time, studied medicine. Tyrone had uh, studied with a local doctor and then managed to get into a local medical school and graduated so he could call himself a medical doctor. So, after this, he split his time between farming and medicine until he was able to move the family to a town called Caldonia. Uh, At this point, he started a medical practice properly, while Phoebe finished off her training and became a midwife. So, a good medical family in the town, seeing to everyone's needs. Uh, Warren, meanwhile, carried on helping on the the little farm that they had. Uh, Payment for medical help was not always in cash back then. Not everyone had cash lying around. Uh, Favours? Yeah, favours or sometimes just goods or services were exchanged. Uh, At one point, Tyron was paid with an ownership interest in a local newspaper, the Caldonian Mm. Argus. Uh, So, seeing this as an opportunity for his 11-year-old son, Warren (laughs) was sent to the newspapers uh, and turned into a printer's devil. What? A printer's devil. Mm. I learned something new this weekend. I learned lots new this weekend, but a printer's devil... ...is just a a name for a printer's apprentice. They have a special name. I don't know why. Maybe because printer's apprentice is a hard phrase to say. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Printer's
0: apprentice. Printer's apprentice. devil.
1: Yeah, devil. <laughs> Damn devil it. be with you. Uh, there were some theories, but they were all very weak. Uh, one of them being, all the ink on them made them look demonic. It's, yeah. Uh, it's expensive.
0: You don't want to waste it.
1: <laughs> Just doing devil signs on your cheeks. <laughs> Pens grabbing yeah. your forehead. Well, Little Warren took to this uh, apprenticeship like a fish to water. Uh, he was very good with words, as we've covered. He was quick and nimble. So everything that you needed to be able to set type to a deadline he took to it like an atlantic harpic seal takes to viscous h2o he said shut up warren yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean the newspaper overnight just doubled in size it was amazing <laughs> um so yeah uh, that's what he's doing in his spare time he, he's setting type and he's helping to to run a newspaper he's he's learning how a newspaper's put together uh, but obviously he also attended school uh, he he was a coaster he was very much a coaster as very many bright students are. Uh, his father later said, and i quote, he's studied for his lessons, but I don't know when. I never caught him at it. And it used to worry me, so I asked his teacher what Warren was doing to bring home such decent reports when he didn't do any work. Oh, <laughs> he's just naturally smart, his teacher said. He's one of those pupils. Yeah, annoying. He doesn't need to do anything, and they still just get through yeah gotta love a coaster anyway in 1879 (laughs) Warren entered the Ohio Central College at the age of 14 Uh, now the family as you've probably gathered are hardly rolling in money uh, but they're not destitute either but Warren felt he needed to get a bit of spare cash Uh, So he spent his time painting barns and houses uh, or helping build the railways that were being built everywhere at the time. So just doing odds and jobs to support his way through school. Uh, While studying, he enjoyed literature and philosophy, most of all. Uh, The other subjects he generally ignored completely uh, until (laughs) an exam came along and then he just crammed for it. According to a roommate at the time, he would just rush his way through a book on the subject uh, just before an exam, (laughs) and then once it was finished, he'd jump up and shout, Now darn it, I've got you! And then slam the book against the wall, and that's all he'd do for studying. What a sod. Yeah, I'm very much reminded of us at uni, though. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's got to be in by 12 o'clock, and it's like
0: 1156 And you're there printing it out. Three seconds to spare was my
1: my record. Yeah. (laughs) I was pleased with that one. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, uh, his main source of joy during his time at college, however, was not studying, but it was running the college newspaper that he ran with a friend called Harris. Now, it was a college newspaper, but Harding and Harris covered the whole town. Politics, jokes, local items, all sorts. And for a college newspaper, it did all right. Hmm. Uh, Now, whilst he was at college, his family had moved to Marion, Ohio. It's close to where they were before, but it was uh, almost a city rather than a rural town. Much bigger. More opportunities. Exactly. Tyron and Phoebe were, by this point, bringing in enough money that they managed to get a, and I quote, fine house, whatever that might mean, uh, in the centre of town. This one has walls. Yeah, exactly. It's great. It's a door and everything. So, yeah, everything's going along quite well. And then at 17, Warren finished college and moved to Marion with his family. And what do you do when you finish college? You're normally supposed to get a job, maybe join a law firm... Run past the bar, well, yes, but before he does that, he's he's got to raise a little bit of money, and just like we've seen before, he becomes a teacher for a while. Um, <laughs> he lasted a term before almost running out the door. I quote: "Next Friday, forever, my career as a pedagogue will close. Hold the joy." <laughs> <laughs> Take it. He
0: didn't like it then.
1: No, nah, I think he 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 was asked to mark with two different coloured pens. Oh, and, yeah. And he said, but how on earth does this actually help teaching? And uh, when no one could answer, uh, he just left. Yeah. Because he's a stronger man than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, like you say, there's one route that future presidents go to, and that is law. And sure enough, Warren starts to study for law. Oh. And it was as dull as it had been for almost everyone else we've covered. He hated yeah. it. But there was one thing he didn't hate one thing he'd always loved doing ever since he was called a devil, and that was the newspaper industry. And he heard of an opportunity. Uh, There were three newspapers in Marion. Uh, One of them was struggling. In fact, it was going under. Uh, Some irregularities had been found, and uh, it was now technically owned by the Sheriff's Department and it was being put up for auction. So, uh, Warren and a friend begged and borrowed the money until they could get $300. And with their $300, they purchased the Marion Star. Mm. And there you go. Warren and uh, his friend now owned a failing newspaper. Hooray! Good investment.
0: But they, they did you said they were remarkably successful for a college newspaper. Oh, so.
1: yeah. Um, Warren knows what he's doing. This isn't a blind jumping in. He has, uh, for the best part of a decade now, been working for newspapers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's still young, but he's got genuine experience in this area. So it wasn't necessarily a, a stupid thing to do. And not only that, it came with perks, Jamie. Perks. I like perks. <laughs> perks are good, aren't they? What are uh, the Perks. Uh, well apparently, in this day and age, if you owned a newspaper, if you are a newspaper editor or newspaper reporter, you got a free rail pass. Ooh! So there you go. Overnight, Warren can now travel anywhere he wanted to the country for absolutely free, That's which quite is cool. not to be sneezed at Aye. at all. Now Warren was serious and young and keen, uh, so his first act for the Marion Star was to jump on a train and head to Chicago because the GOP National Convention of 1884 was underway. Ah, the famous one. It's certainly one that we have covered, if you remember, which I obviously. Obviously you do. Yeah, uh, of course. Pre- President Arthur's in at this time. Uh, he's right. disliked, but he's not stepping down. Blaine from Maine and the half-breeds uh, were running to be nominated instead. Now the progressives of the party were disgusted by Blaine from Maine, and many of them vowed to leave the party to support the Democratic candidate Garfield. Ooh so that's where we are. Uh, A young Teddy Roosevelt was around at the time. He caused a bit of a scene, which we covered in his episode, when he decided to stick with the party despite his progressive views. This led to his political exile, and that's when he went off west to become a cowboy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Now, Harding was very impressed with Roosevelt for sticking with the party. Someone was towing the party line uh, and Harding was impressed with this and he was also very happy with the result of the convention because Blaine was nominated Uh, Harding liked Blaine in fact he wrote that he would and I quote put the whole weight of the star behind Blaine which Mm. uh, at the moment consists of him and his mate Uh, (laughs) but I'm sure Blaine would have been happy to find that out (laughs) however when he got back home he found that his newspaper had gone oh Always a shame when you misplace a newspaper a factory. That's not called a factory, is it? A printing press. Yeah, the newsroom. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it's all gone. Uh, due to uh, legal problems, uh, irregularities from the previous owner, it was still unsure whether the uh, newspaper could actually be sold or not. Ah. So it had been taken back by the sheriff's office. Is he just saying, can I get my $300 back then, please? Oh, oh, I didn't think to look into that. I'm assuming he got his $300 back. That would be a bit of a shame if he didn't. It would be, yeah. Yeah. So, determined to make it uh, as a newspaper editor, this was what he wanted to do. Now, uh, Harding decided to just go and get a job with one of the other two papers in the, t- in the town. And he did. He got a job with the Democratic-leaning mirror. Uh, I mean, this is great. He's got a job working for a newspaper. He's being paid. But uh, he did not like having to write with a Democratic slant on things. Uh-huh, no. He found it very frustrated because he was having to cover the election... And he had to write things against blame, and he didn't like doing it. Ah. (laughs) So he spent his time trying to uh, get enough support to repurchase the newspaper, The Star again. Right. Uh, Yeah, the the price was up, it was going to be harder to get, but it was back on auction again in a few months' time. However, his friend was out this time. didn't want anything to do with it. It was too risky. (laughs) But Warren's father was doing well enough by this point that Harding was able to rebuy the newspaper in November of 1884. So there you go. He's now solely in charge and he was determined to make the paper work. For the next five to six years the paper went from a circulation of less than 500 to a well respected leading paper in Marion. Mm. Uh, As business picked up Harding replaced the presses. He got a telegraph line in. He hired local regional estate reporters. He built it from the Round up. Essentially, hmm. uh, one of the biggest business decisions was his plan to get the uh, the city's government printing jobs. Now Harding was very proud that the Star was nonpartisan; it was unbiased in yeah. his mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> however. In order to get certain Republican politicians to use his printing press for governmental contracts, he needed to please said politicians. How can he please the politicians, the Republican ones, if his paper is non-bias?
0: Gifts, flattery,
1: box of chocolates. <laughs> Uh, flattery, certainly, uh, but in, in a very, uh, very efficient way. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Uh, no, he, um, he set up a new newspaper the weekly star. The star remained unpartisan, uh, but once a week the weekly star would come out all guns blazing, uh, fighting against the Democratic papers in the region (laughs) So the Republican politicians nearby took note and started handing contracts Harding's way. Soon the contracts flooded in and he was making a decent amount of money on it so as the paper grew, so did Harding's influence and standing in Marian society. Uh, for example, he was involved in many pushes to make the town better, including making the town an actual city. They had the population to apply to be a city at this point, and the Star was uh, one of the papers leading yeah. the the charge to get public support to turn it into a city, uh, and it worked. He also advocated on behalf of people who wanted street lighting and paved flooring, uh, generally modernising Marion. He also was going after the local robber barons. Ooh, that's brave. Namely, one robber baron who happened to be the richest resident of the city, Amos Kling. Have you got an image of Amos Kling? I'm guessing big, big moustache...
0: Almost like the stereotypical fat cat kind of guy.
1: Why not? Let's say that. We're going to get to know Kling a little bit. <laughs> Harding did not like Kling. He did not like the way Kling did business, and he made it very clear in his paper. Uh, but that is not why Kling and Harding fell out so much. The main reason for the animosity between the two men uh, was because Harding married Kling's daughter. Ooh, did he
0: do that just to wind him up?
1: Let's find out, because we're going to go on a little bit of a tangent and cover Florence Kling and her life up until now so we can understand the tensions that arose between Harding and Kling. So Florence was born in 1860, uh, and she was born without a winkle. What? Yeah, she was born without a winkle. She was a girl. Oh. Yeah, and this really annoyed Amos Kling. He was kind of oh. like, counting on having, yeah. like... Like a child wibberwinkle. Yeah. Kling, being that certain type of man who did not have any truck with being told something he doesn't want to hear, uh, simply treated Florence like a boy. <laughs> yeah. You wear trousers. Not necessarily uh, the clothing, more the actions and what she was doing. Uh, for as soon as she could walk, Uh, she was following her father around his business. Uh, Kling had made a fortune during the war and after the war in the construction trade, and now had fingers in many pies. Uh, And little Florence was uh, being shown the ropes from an extremely early age. She was told how to act, how to do business. Uh, Generally, this will all be yours one day. You are my heir. However, by the time Florence was a teenager, she wanted Desperately, nothing more than to get away from this overbearing father who wanted her to be something she didn't want to be. I'm sure there were many teenage girls back in those days who would have wished for opportunities similar to this. But all Florence wanted to do was go off and study music in New York, which was particularly popular at the time with uh, young, wealthy females. That's what she wanted to do. She didn't want to run a construction empire. And her father was very... Very overbearing. She's just standing there very sadly holding a like a little tiny violin. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arguments sprung up between father and daughter, uh, and in the end, a compromise was come to. Florence would study piano, uh, but in nearby Cincinnati. So Florence went off. Her time away from her father was fantastic. Uh, She enjoyed herself, uh, but all things must come to an end. And before she could count the keys on the piano... She graduated and returned home. That's, f- That's hyperbole. Yeah, I was going to say, but very sure. <laughs> <laughs> if that is true, I'm starting to question how she graduated. <laughs> Amos figured that his daughter had got the music stuff out of her system now and could get on with her job. Right. There we go. We compromised. You went and did your stupid piano stuff. Time, time to learn the construction trade. Uh, but Florence was now an adult and really really did not want to be told what to do so a battle of wills erupted between them florence would storm out after rouse and if she was not back before her father's curfew he would simply lock the doors and not let her back in mm. so florence would then go and stay with a friend or perhaps a young man mm. called pete de wolf oh.
0: That, that, that's a that's a greasy-sounding name, I've, uh, I've heard
1: one. Wow. Peter wolf was the son of a very respected family in Marion. In fact, they, they lived opposite the Clings. Right. We're, we're talking high market here. Yeah. Uh, you don't get more old-money America-sounding yeah. than DeWolf, do you? Yeah. They sound like they should a yeah. bank now. Oh, they probably did. He was a year older than Florence. Uh, he was... As I say, the son of this very respected DeWolf family uh, But he was also known as the town drunk And an embarrassment to the very well-respected DeWolfs Sounds fun Many of Florence's (laughs) friends speculated that Florence only started seeing DeWolf Just to really annoy her father (laughs) And it worked Because it really annoyed her father But if this isn't the reason, whatever the reason uh, Florence was soon pregnant So the two decide to run away together to Columbus in 1880. Shortly after, Florence gave birth to a boy that she called Marshall. Meanwhile, Amos, back in Marion, was beside himself with anger and refused to have anything to do with them. Pete DeWolf, soon also came to the same conclusion. Uh, Pete DeWolf had gained a reputation for being an unreliable drunk for a good reason. <laughs> it's because he was an unreliable drunk. Yeah, well. Uh, yeah. Dare. His and Florence's relationship had fallen apart over the period of two years, and in December 1882, he simply abandoned them. Oh. Leaving Florence and Baby Marshall with literally nothing to their names. So Florence was desperate; she had nothing at all apart from the the clothes on her back and her child so in in true fairy tale fashion, on Christmas Eve, she headed for the train station and begged for a free ride to Marion. This only worked when she used the family name, yeah yeah, <laughs> I'm the daughter of Amos Kling. Let me on the train, oh, of course, madam. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> First class. Goes to show, even when you've got literally nothing but your name, that's still a lot more than many people. Yeah. But still, she has only got the name at the moment. So when she arrived uh, on Christmas Day in her hometown, like the early, early hours of Christmas Day, uh, she didn't know where to go. She she knew what kind of welcome she'd get from her father, so she couldn't go home-home. But it was too late-slash-early morning to go to her friends, uh, but she remembered that one of her friends uh, was out of town and had an empty house. Uh, so she broke in and spent a cold night Squat. Yes, yeah, squatting in a house with her little two-year-old. Anyway, Christmas morning dawned and she went to another friend's place and asked for help. Her friend's father offered her a room to stay in. Meanwhile, word had mm. spread and friends of Florence approached Amos asking him to see reason. Come on, you you daughter and your grandchild are destitute here you can't just ignore them amos could just ignore them and said so <laughs> <I'm> yes <laughs> however florence's mother secretly sent florence some money and some clothes oh anyway time passed and uh, florence started to earn some money to pay for the room uh, that she was in uh, by teaching piano lessons ah see yeah see, her education's paying off, Uh, the DeWolf family provided some money for food, uh, but not much. And generally, it was not the most enjoyable life for the daughter of the richest family in the city. Uh, But then Amos contacted his daughter with an offer. Come and work for me? No. Get rid of the child? (laughs) What, a kind of... Kind of way. Oh dear. Okay, you've gone from two extremes there. Uh, Somewhere in the middle. I will never support you or your son, was the message. That's not a. Enough is more, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's a a PTO in the bottom corner. Yes. But if you give little Marshall to me and give up all rights to him, I'll raise him as a Kling instead of a DeWolf, and he will be my heir. Ooh. Yeah, you're out, but your son can still have a life. Ooh, that's interesting. Also, just sums Amos up. He's not a nice man. No, he's an absolute... Wow. Oh yes. Yeah, we don't know how much Florence tormented over this decision. It can't have been an easy one, but in the end she decides to give up her son to guarantee that he has a comfortable life. Uh, Meanwhile, she continued to scrape a living through piano teaching. Uh, One of her pupils was a young woman named Charity, Charity Harding. Oh yes You see the stories converge Uh, Details are sketchy But Florence and uh, Warren Harding Met at some point around this time And soon realised they got on very well Uh, So well in fact Florence formally divorced Pete DeWolf uh, And the two started Seeing each other openly Amos found out (laughs) And hit the roof (laughs) I mean Pete DeWolf was a drunken And an an embarrassment But at least he was a DeWolf Yeah uh who exactly is this young upstart newspaper editor? Who who the hell is Harding? Doctor Sons. Yeah. Hang on, I, I do recognise that name. That's that's the man who's been criticizing me in the newspapers at every opportunity. Yes, Is Florence doing this just to anger me? <laughs> yeah. Uh well we don't know if that was part of the reason. Uh it does seem that Florence and well, it does seem that Florence and Warren did really get on. But it must be said, part of the attraction for both of them does seem to be how much it would annoy Amos.
0: Yeah, this would
1: be they hilarious. Both... Yeah, they both shared a real dislike to Amos, and then being together, uh, it just added a little little cherry on the top to their relationship. Now, Amos wasn't only angry that his daughter was with a lonely newspaper editor. Um, There was another reason why he was angry. uh, Because there were rumours going around that outraged Amos. Good old-fashioned racist rumours. Because the rumour about town, and it had been going around for quite a while, was that Harding was a word that I'm not going to use, but it was one that was used quite often then. Uh, African-American heritage, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The rumours seem to have started uh, a generation or two before when the Hardings moved to Ohio. They'd lived in a predominantly black area, and they had got on well with their neighbours. They weren't racist. It would appear. (laughs) And then in the Civil War, the Hardings had been very openly pro abolitionist, uh, anti slavery, and quite possibly not racist. They must be black themselves, essentially, was the conclusion. Uh, This was actually a very common attack post-Civil War, apparently. Racists would just claim that any white person advocating for abolition must have black grandparents or something like that. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. So this was the rumour with Harding. His great-grandmother was black, according to Amos. um, And Amos let it be known that he knew this to be true, and it was outrageous. Incidentally, uh, studies have looked into this. Uh, it appears it's almost certainly untrue, mm. uh, but then that's beside the point. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a racist brush to smear Harding with. Yeah. I doubt Amos really cared whether it was true or not. It was something he could use to attack. Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's what <you> he <laughs> you know said. You what, it, Jamie? It's, it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's almost what Harding said when he found out. I'll quote him. He said he would beat the tar out of that little man. Ooh. Threatening uh, Amos. Amos let it be known that he was ready for a fight. Ooh. Yeah, things are getting nasty. Heated. Uh, Florence attempted to cool things with uh, Harding, uh, telling him that she didn't care about these rumours, it really doesn't matter. Uh, But Amos just didn't cease, he just kept going on about it. Typical bully. Yeah, he put his whole social weight into attempting to exile Harding from Marian society. Wow. Uh, However, the star was doing quite well by this point, and Harding had become reasonably popular within the city. And Amos, you might have picked up on this, uh, was a bit of a git, yeah. and many in the city were more than happy to see this rich old ass uh, <laughs> sort of stew in his own hatred and do nothing to help him. Fair enough. Uh, Amos, undeterred, however, decided a different line of attack. If he can't get Harding himself, he'd go after Harding's family. Ooh. Uh, in particular, Harding's father, Dr. Harding. Tyron. Yeah, you just imagine uh, Tyron's defence,
0: just something along the lines of um, remember, Amos, I am your doctor, I know
1: things about you. <laughs> um, no, that, that wasn't the, the line of defence, but that would have right. been good. Yeah. I would have enjoyed it. <laughs> well, what uh, Amos was doing was buying up all of the Harding family debts. So they have to pay... Yeah. Cling instead. Yeah. Ooh. Nasty. And then he told uh, Dr. Harding, you need to pay all those debts in full immediately or you will lose the properties. Oh, what a git. Oh, he really is a git. You weren't lying. No, I really wasn't. Um, Tyrone Harding decided not to fight this. He just gave up the properties. so like, I can't fight this. It's more more than it's worth. So he just... Gave I bet that's properties. really
0: annoying, for Amos. Ah, damn it.
1: <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, you can imagine how angry Warren is yeah. by this point. Um, so he fought back with a move that he knew would anger Cling the most marrying his daughter. Oh yes, he proposed to Florence In 1891 they wed Uh, Florence's mother apparently snuck into the service at the back And then left before it ended uh, Hoping to just see a little (laughs) bit of her daughter getting wed Because obviously Amos had said no one could have anything to do with it Uh, So there you go, They're, they're married Now, as is often with relationships in the past or even the present It's very hard to get a handle on what the relationship was like between the newlyweds However, several historians have speculated that their mutual hatred for Amos was what bonded them more than anything else. I mean, there don't seem to be any huge spectacular falling outs or arguments, but you do get the impression... Well, I'll just carry on the story and then you'll figure it out for yourself. For instance, one thing, soon after getting married, uh, Harding went on a trip around the country... On his own. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Using his free rail pass, he just went and toured the country for a bit. Now, some have pointed to the fact that Florence uh, essentially became Warren's business partner in the newspaper. And uh, they indicate that their relationship was more a professional one than a romantic one. But it's impossible to know, really. Uh, So, around this time, uh, Harding started to show some health problems. Uh, Details are sketchy. Uh, but he visited Dr. Kellogg's sanitarium at least five times over a few years in this time. So
0: that's either like emotional or some sort of mental problems.
1: Yeah, general uh, health spa, essentially. Yeah. Uh, the sanatorium was all based around keeping the body healthy, using exercise, uh, and mainly the correct food intake. In other words, the plainer the better. <laughs> um Cornflakes, for example, oh. were. I don't know if you've heard of Kellogg's Cornflakes before. Yeah. Weren't yeah. they... <laughs> is it actually the Kellogg? Yeah, yeah, no, this is that Kellogg okay. we're talking about here,
0: yeah. Because he wasn't he a Quaker or a Mormon? He's very a religious. Seventh, yes, he was. He was, day was a Seventh-day, yes, that's what he was. And Cornflakes were... Uh, it might be a myth, a rumour, but they're invented to stop
1: Certain things. Well, we've we've come across this before with the cucumbers, haven't we? Cornflakes were anti cucumbers. They were good and dry food. Yes. Yeah. So you don't give in to the temptation. Yeah. You just furiously munch down on some dry cornflakes (laughs) instead. (laughs) Fill your mattress with them. them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, although cornflakes may be what made Kellogg uh, a household name over the years, uh, apparently he also invented the method that was used to create peanut butter. Yeah, well, nuts, apparently, according to Kellogg, were very, very good. Nuts were going to solve all world's problems. Um, So, yeah, peanut butter, uh, Kellogg's cornflakes, um, obviously Kellogg's cornflakes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, these things come from Kellogg's. Now you can imagine just eating peanut butter with cornflakes in them and how dry that would be. Had he invented Cocoa Pops by this time? Uh, I don't think so, no.
0: What about Frosted Flakes?
1: They came later. Shreddies. That was probably all in the sixties for oh, okay. yeah. love. <laughs> yes. He was also Kellogg, a firm believer in uh, having two half pints of yogurt, or a pint of yogurt. No, two half <laughs> pints of yogurt, because that's the only way to have them in both ends. Oh, yeah, oh, uh. yeah, half a pint up top, half a pint down below sort you right out. Uh? You need something after you've uh, munched your way through those dry cornflakes.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway, Harding went there, as I say, uh, at least five occasions to recover from overstrain and fatigue. So, wow. have problems, yeah. but it's not very clear what. Yeah. Uh, now, by this time, Harding was so popular uh, in Marion uh, that it became Inevitable that he was going to get involved in politics at some point Uh, His first attempt was to run for the county auditor position A job that was a very safe Democrat seat However, Harding didn't like the idea of it going uncontested So knowing that he'd lose, he put his name forward Hmm. He lost Yeah (laughs) Uh, By this time, uh, McKinley was running for president So Harding started to make a name for himself outside the city of Marion by campaigning on McKinley's behalf. that he did so well, he was then asked to deliver further speeches up and down the whole state in support of McKinley, uh, which he did well enough that by the end of the election, he'd received word. If he ran for the Ohio State, the party would back him as a thank you for the hard work on the election. That's good. Well, he's a good orator as well, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Now, the seat he was going for was hotly contested. This wasn't a shoo-in. Um, yeah. But he had a decent chance to win. This wasn't like before. He had the backing Uh, as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And it turned out he exceeded expectations. He gained four times the amount of votes that the last Republican had. So he won the seat. He headed to Columbus to take his place on the Ohio General Assembly. He did well enough there. He used his experience as a newspaper editor. He knew how to talk to people. He knew how to make connections. And he was doing so well that when McKinley was shot and killed, he was selected to eulogise the president to the state senate. So, yeah. And then in 1901, he was made the floor leader and then re-nominated despite the fact there was a one-term rule. They just kind of broke it for him because they thought he was doing a good job. you will do... So, yeah, just generally climbing up the old greasy honorum, hmm. as it were. Uh, and the climb continued. He started to make signs that perhaps he wanted to be governor one day. Word came down from the top, no. <laughs> uh, oh, please. Now, as, as we've covered, the Republican Party is undergoing a bit of a civil war with the progressive factions and the conservative factions, and... Uh, Harding was seen as not progressive enough at this time, and they they needed a progressive governor in Ohio. Uh, So instead he went for lieutenant governor instead, and he got it, but he wasn't happy about being blocked for the top job. So a year later he decided to pack in politics, go back to being uh, a newspaper editor. Which, by the way, the star's still ticking along in the background this whole time. Oh, okay. There was also concern that Florence was not very well. That was another reason why he, he stopped politics. Uh, her kidneys had stopped working, uh, and they were floating, apparently. Above her head. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, no one wants floating kidneys. Oh, yes. No. Sounds ethereal. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, they just weren't secure in her as much as they should be. Okay. So, uh, so, that's a good
0: point. Are they, what are they, attached? Are they attached to anything? I thought they
1: just sort of did... Well, apparently hers could like move a bit too much and block off tubes and oh. toxins could build up. So, right. not good. Um, so, her kidneys were wired back in place. Uh, oh. wired, sorry, w- wired in inverted commas. <laughs> not <laughs> physical wires. S- yeah, sort of placed. Super glued, stitched. Yeah. Hot glued. Um, who knows? Yeah, it, it was tough going for her. She spent months in recovery, just uh, yeah. confined to her bed. This was not pleasant. Uh, so Harding spent most of his time in the office running his paper, uh, although he did make time to see some friends, uh, because Jim Phillips and his wife Carrie uh, had been going through some hard times. Jim and Carrie had recently lost their two-year-old son, and their relationship was struggling. So Harding suggested to his friend Jim, why don't you go and uh, eat some cornflakes for a while <laughs> in the uh, sanatorium? Give me the world of good. Have some yoghurt. Yes, have <laughs> these two half-pints glasses, take them with you. So Jim Jim went off to the sanatorium, and uh, obviously Florence was bedridden. Oh no. And someone needed to console Carrie. Just, just a shoulder's crown, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they were totally doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is not speculation.
0: No. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> because there are letters, Jamie. The letters. Oh, there are letters. Oh, brilliant. And this, this is the reason everyone's been looking forward to this episode. Uh, and this is the reason for the opening. All right, give me a second. Let me take a swig. While you do that, let me give you a bit of background. These letters were found in a closet in the late 50s, early 60s.
0: Also, oh, quite late then.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, a judge read them and sealed them until 2014. Also, it's only recently been sort of... Post the biography that I read... Um, in fact, I'll quote from the biography I read to get most of the information for this yeah. episode from. The letters remain sealed until 2014. Much of their content is known. However, little of that content is relevant to anything other than a love affair that ended unhappily for both lovers. Oh. Dismisses them. There's nothing yeah. really in the letters. We know most of it. Go on. <laughs> then the letters were released. Uh, we're not pushing over them like that, because we are post-2014, and we know the details. Uh, there are 106 letters to carry that survived. They range from romantic to explicit, really? albeit in a very weak code. Oh. <laughs> um, just going to warn our listeners now, things do get a bit saucy, shall we say. <laughs> You've got to use your sexiest voice then, Rob. Uh, well... <laughs> Uh, Let's go over some of the most fun things that President Harding said to his uh, mistress. But before we start, let's see if you can spot the code word that he (laughs) used for his, um, you know. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. And I quote, Jerry. (laughs) You spotted it, yeah. (laughs) I'll continue. You were called Jerry whose cards I once sent you to Europe. Jerry came in whilst I was pondering your notes in glad reflection, and we talked about it. He was strongly interested and elated and clung to discussion. He told me to say that you are the best and darlingest in the world. And if he could have but one wish, it would be to be held in your darling embrace (laughs) and be thrilled by your pink lips. Oh.
0: Oh. I think we need a rating for this episode. Oh,
1: my goodness.
0: That's filth. There's more. Oh, brilliant. (laughs)
1: I'll do a couple more
0: Jerry's.
1: (laughs) Jerry sends his Christmas greetings. He would come too. If I might, would he be welcomed? He said in one letter. Uh, In another one. uh, Jerry came and will not go. He says he (laughs) loves you. You must not be annoyed. He is utterly devoted that he only exists to give you all. I fear you would find a fierce enthusiast today. (laughs) Uh, The last Jerry one, it's shorter. I wish I could take you to Mount Jerry. <laughs> Wonderful spot. <laughs> oh, that's quite clever actually, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Oh. I've introduced you to Jerry. I don't quite know what to say, to be honest. I have been resisting the urge to uh, gently make fun of Jerry from the Presidency's podcast all week, only because it would give the game away to (laughs) you. Well, the cuffs are off now. Oh, yes, they are. Sorry in advance, Jerry. Um, (laughs) Is it Jerry with a G or Jerry with a J? With a J. Ah. Yeah. Uh, But it wasn't just Jerry that Harding wrote about. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Guess who Mrs. Poulterson is. (laughs) <laughs> or rather, what? <laughs> when I saw Mrs. Porterson a month ago, she persuaded me that you still loved. I had a really happy day with her. Uh... Yeah. Sometimes the code was uh, obviously a bit confusing, however, and needed some clarification. Right. Wouldn't you like to get sopping wet out on Superior? Dash. Not the lake. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Oh my God! Oh, yo! Oh, oh. I did warn you. I did warn you. Yeah. Oh, well, this is this is filth. Oh yeah, it really is. And we're going there. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> finally, uh my favourite, perhaps, of all of them. Uh, there's no innuendo here. <laughs> It's just, um, it's just a sign that sometimes uh, these letters back and forth got a little bit confusing and they needed clarification. If I have interpreted correctly, you do not wish me to bring the missus to Ohio? Obviously him clarifying that next time he goes to see Carrie, he's not supposed to bring Florence. <laughs> 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 just to make sure.
0: That makes things a lot easier.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have Carrie's letters. Uh, oh. so, so we don't know what nickname she had for anything. Uh, I, I'm but...
0: just really hoping her letters are very, almost quite... Would you stop sending me these letters? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Are we, are we calling the police? Quite possibly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. You've met Jerry now. Meanwhile, back home, uh, Amos had started to reconcile with his daughter... Uh, her brush with death recently had obviously brought them closer together and also Amos was in a good mood he was in his 70s by this point and just married a woman 38 years his junior Uh, so he was in a good mood so he decides to make up with the Hardings he very racidly said for example about Harding he's a bleep but he's a smart bleep again not saying that word yeah Uh, yeah. Amos is an awful human being Uh, But he's now kind of on board with the family. Uh, He even paid for a recovered Florence and Warren to go on Europe for a six-week holiday. Now, I tried to find out uh, whether this was one that uh, Jim and Carrie went on with them, Mm. uh, but I'm not sure if this one was. But they did go to Europe on holidays together as a foursome. Um, Did did Jerry go along? Mm? Jerry periodically popped in. (laughs) (laughs) Just say hello. (laughs) Hi. Anyway, after a while, Harding was getting dragged back into politics. However, the Republican Party wanted him to run for governor. Uh, Harding was at this time Seen as a good compromise Between the warring Progressive And conservative factions So he's more of a moderate Yeah However Due to the war In the party The Democrats Were looking stronger And uh Harding failed to be elected Mm. So that didn't work Harding became More and more disillusioned With the party Due to this faction war Uh, He believed The progressive faction Were to to blame Uh, They were just A cultish Following of Roosevelt And Roosevelt Was just using it Because he lusted For power Uh during the National Convention shortly afterwards, uh, Harding was a folly behind Taft. It was the only way to keep the Republicans on the straight and narrow. They needed to get away from Roosevelt's megalomania. Uh, Harding himself delivered a speech in the convention to nominate Taft. As you can see, his standing in the Republican Party has gone up. Yeah. But as we've seen, uh, despite the fact Taft winning the nomination, uh, this led to a split in the Republican Party when Roosevelt just left and set up the Progressive Party. Yeah, that was a shame. And then Taft lost the yeah. election yeah, badly. He did. Yeah. So Harding retreated to his newspaper once more, despairing of the Republicans. Hmm. Uh, it was about this time that his and Carrie's affair was discovered by Florence. Who is this Jerry you are talking about all the time? <laughs> I it wouldn't surprise me. The only Florence. Jerry I know is,
0: oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have few details exactly how this came about, but there are rumours that uh, Carrie wanted Harding to leave Florence. And run away with her, but he refused. Another story I came across was they were simply caught. But either way, uh, it was decided that Carrie and her husband were going to go and live in Germany for a while. <laughs> uh, and Florence and Warren would work on their marriage for a bit.
0: Yeah, fair fair enough.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, he was determined to get back into politics, he decided. He's yo-yoing in and out of politics, but... Um, well, he's got nothing to do now, literally. Well, exactly. So he called in a favour. He asked for a governmental position, uh, just to get his feet wet once more. Maybe the ambassador to Japan. He'd heard that was open. Mm-hmm. Um, and Taft really liked him. Uh, he'd been the man to stand up and give the speech to nominate him. Taft, by the way, still in power at this point. Okay. He's just been elected out. Uh, Taft, however, had to inform his supporter that Japan was taken. Sorry. Uh, Maybe something else will come up before the end of my term, he said. Uh, It didn't. No. No. However, in 1914, a senator named Burton announced he was stepping down. Some of Harding's friends told him that this was his chance. Now, Harding was unsure. He, He didn't really want to go into the Senate. He was looking for more of a administrative role or maybe it was less to do with the idea of running in the senate more the idea of literally running for the senate because ohio had just accepted primaries for the election of senators Uh, and due to the mess of the republican party this essentially meant that the progressive and the conservative republicans would be up against each other vying for votes Mm. something that harding did not like the idea of he was all for party unity but in the end, he was persuaded, partly by his friend Doherty, uh, partly by Florence, partly by re- the retiring Senator Burton. Uh, a lot of people were telling him he should go for this. So in the end, he did, and he did very well. He campaigned with the message that the Democrats were the enemy. The Republicans should pull together. Let's stop fighting ourselves. That gets a good and, message, uh, Well, yeah, it worked. It was strong enough that he won the seat. Warren entered the Senate. And as we've seen with many uh, that we've covered... As soon as you enter the Senate, you stop doing anything interesting at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There is nothing much to report on during his time as a senator. Uh, he was uh, a lowly senator. He made little waves. He was on some committees. He got on with the job. As usual with Harding, it's his personal life that's far more interesting. <laughs> because it's around this time that he met the 20-year-old Nan Britton. Ah, uh, Nan. Uh, now, to be fair, he'd actually met Nan Britton before, uh, but probably didn't pay her much attention, or at least hopefully, uh, because she was the daughter of a friend and also the pupil of his sister, who was a schoolteacher. According to Nan Britton, uh, she had been infatuated with Harding as a girl, so much so that her father had told Harding, presumably finding it amusing. <laughs> He's over race. Oh, Really? Really, your daughter's infatuated with me. And if she to a new friend, <laughs> if liked... she likes me, she'll love Jerry. <laughs> yeah. um, oh God! Yeah. Apparently, soon afterwards, Harding arranged a meeting. By 1917, they were having a full-blown affair. Uh... By the way, Carrie had found living in Germany was a bit unstable at this time. I suppose it would be, yeah. Yeah, so she'd come back. Yeah. So there's a very good chance that uh, they'd started up their affair once more. They certainly met a few times. Um, But back to Nan Britton, because within a couple of years of uh, the affair with Nan Britton, she gave birth to a daughter called Elizabeth. Oh, Oh yes. We don't have all the details, but Nan claimed that Harding never saw his daughter, but promised to support her and the child, and then they continued the affair.
0: <laughs>
1: yep. Uh, incidentally, uh, by the way, after Harding's death, which you now know about, is during his presidency, Nan Britton wrote a book about the affair shortly afterwards. Right. Made it all public. This affair continues throughout their presidency. There's bits in it about them doing it in the stock cupboard in the White House. Wow. Yeah. Uh, The book, as I say, goes into details and obviously was popular in certain areas. Uh, But many accused her of being perverted and deranged. Yeah, of course. Uh, (laughs) Historians almost all agreed that Nan's story was full of holes, very unlikely to be true. Now this wasn't just at the time, this is for the last hundred years. Right. Her story is clearly just made up. The the affair with Carrie, yes, but there's just so many inconsistencies. It's sensationalist, this was an opportunist trying to make money. Yeah. In fact, Nan Britton ended up retreating from interviews because she was just treated so appallingly. She refused to talk about it after a while. She died get ready for this in 1991 whoa yeah she was 94 when she died that is insane yeah and then in 2015 only five years ago a dna test was finally conducted from someone who was willing uh in the harding family and uh the grandchild of nan Britton. turns out she was telling the truth oh oh yes Yeah, so uh, even the biography that I read for this, which was published six years ago, one year before the DNA test, spends two pages saying, no, this seems very unlikely. Uh, But then, to be fair to it, just say in a footnote, however, there is living relatives. If we get a DNA test, we can sort this out, no problem. And yeah, they did. uh, Wow. Yeah, there you go. Awkward. That happened. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, going going back to, to Harding's time, though. Padding has his two mistresses, quite possibly at the same time, a love child he refuses to acknowledge, uh, and his wife, and a cushy job in the senate i'm
0: I'm liking him less and less <laughs> so when he talks about being a bad president, is this more of a moral
1: badness rather than a no oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> there's more. Oh, there's more. Um, yeah, he ticks all the boxes. He really does. Splendid. Um, although, what I will say, unlike uh, Cleveland, he didn't try and put Nam Britton in an insane asylum. That is true. That's always a positive. And uh, apparently, he was paying for the child. He didn't want anything to do with the child, but was giving money to Nam. Yeah. So, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Awful. Yeah. yeah. But we've seen worse. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Anyway, like I say, he's living what he probably considers the good life. (laughs) Uh, But it wasn't enough for him, uh, because he had decided that he was going to go for the top job. Really? Yes. I mean, he's a promising politician from Ohio, and I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of presidents have come from Ohio of late. Uh, Ohio was what Virginia had been at the start of the country. Uh, There were various factors why Ohio had produced so many presidents uh, the main yeah, one Taft. being the oh sorry
0: Ta- yeah Taft was from Ohio yeah yeah McKinley was from Ohio Roosevelt was from New York Wilson was from Virginia yeah that's, yeah, that's interesting
1: I'll I'll let you know, shall I? Because if we look at the American birth map uh, that I created, Ah. the start of the series, which I'll put up on Twitter and Facebook so people can look at it and be remembered of it, it's got all their births. So I'll just pull that up. Seven presidents have come from Ohio. Uh, Grant, Hayes, Garfield, Harrison, McKinley, Taft and Harding is the last one. They got no more after that.
0: That's That's almost a third of the presidents so far. A quarter.
1: Yeah, yeah, only Virginia has produced more presidents. Yeah, and obviously, as Ohio has produced so many presidents, people have come to expect presidents to come from Ohio. So if a politician is doing well in Ohio, people start paying attention to them, thinking, is this the next president? they also have ties to past presidents that can maybe open a few doors yeah. because they all grew up in the same region. Yeah. So it's sort of self-fulfilling uh, Ohio breeding presidents. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because he's, he's doing well and he's from Ohio, there is a decent job he could get it. So he, he starts thinking about it. Now in order to get the top job, he'd have to go up after President Wilson, who had just come back from the peace talks. Uh, oh, yeah, a world war's happened, by the way. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. A uh, short version of that. <laughs> uh, Wilson was pushing for the US to enter the League of Nations, as we covered last time. Oh, yeah. uh, Harding would push against this. That's how he'd make his name. He delivered 10,000-word speech against joining the League of Nations in the Senate. That's like
0: doing a podcast episode, isn't
1: it? Yeah, not, not far off. 12,000 words is usually the two episodes together anyway the speech went down very well uh, his message that the republic was a fragile thing not to be messed with by giving up powers rang true to many in fact i quote him no republic has permanently survived they have flashed illuminated and advanced the world and then faded and crumbled he then went on to essentially say it's the duty of every american to fight for the independence of their republic right We can't be merging our powers by joining a league, (sighs) it'll be the death of us. Now, as we've seen, Wilson, having a stroke, pretty much put an end to the campaign uh, for the United States to join the league, and Harding, being one of the most prominent Republicans opposing the president, was seen as being on the winning team. Mm -hmm. This did him good, and shortly afterwards he publicly announced he was running for president. Uh, So Harding and those around him had a plan. Harding was not the most popular Republican running, far from it. Uh, At least nine other men were in the running, and by far the two uh, most popular were General Wood and Frank Lowden. Now, we've come across General Wood before uh, in Roosevelt's episode. If you remember, Roosevelt refused to take command of the Rough Riders to begin with. So the command was given to a friend instead, and he was second in command. Well, that was Wood. Uh Many saw Wood... Obviously, as the natural successor to Roosevelt. Roosevelt's died recently, by the way. Oh. Uh, yeah. So um, let's get wood. How was it? Like attacked by a mountain lion or something? Or I I think I think a uh, stampede. I think someone shot him with an elephant gun, and then a mountain <laughs> lion savaged him, and then he fell off Niagara Falls, and then after he'd recovered, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, the, the moon landed on him. Yeah. Yeah. A Um, bit of a headache then. We'll we'll go into it in his promised third episode at the end of the series. Uh, But yeah, he's dead. He died recently. So the Republicans were looking for a successor to Roosevelt. Especially the progressives, and they saw Wood as that natural pro- uh, successor. He was a rough rider, also. Yeah. Uh, Loden, the other forerunner, was in the pockets of big business. Uh, in fact, he was big business himself. He was married to the heir of the Pullman fortune. Remember, we've covered the uh, we've covered Pullman before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Strikes. He made the Pullman carriages. Uh, yeah, big robber baron. Hmm. Uh, anyway, obviously you've got uh, Loden and uh, the big business, and you've got Wood and the progressives. One of them's surely going to win. But the plan for Harding was simple. Run as a dark horse candidate. Let Wood and Loden fight this out, and then just sweep in at the end. We've seen it before. All right. However, slight problem. Uh, primaries were now a thing in 16 states. It's Ah. not the most important uh, section of the nomination, but they were before the convention, so they were kind of seen as a a way of shoring up support before the actual voting in the convention.
0: Yeah.
1: Ohio was going first. Now, Harding ran a campaign based on Americanism. Uh, Americanism was a nice vague word, but it sounded good, didn't it? What was Americanism? I hear you ask.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like saying be more british uh, more awkward and drink tea well when one republican was asked what is americanism he replied damned if i know <laughs> but you'll find it a damn good issue to get votes in the election <laughs> so blind yeah. patriotism essentially oh yes you will recognize this approach we've uh, seen it before on the podcast and we've seen it in real life really quite recently yeah. if you've got little to actually say you just keep saying words like america And patriot and freedom. In fact, I'll quote part of one of Harding's speech at the time here. We must make sure our own house is in order before we attempt the miracle of old world stabilisation. To safeguard America first, to stabilize America first, to prosper America first, to think of America first, to exalt America first, to live for and revere America first. If you say the word America that many times in a speech, you're gonna kind of get a lot of cheers. You are, yeah, yeah, you are. yeah. Yeah. And not many people will stop and actually think this doesn't actually mean anything. No. <laughs> so what was he saying? America. <laughs> Yay as opposed to all those times where we've been, what, making laws in Europe first? (laughs) What? Yeah. um, Anyway, he was bitterly disappointed, therefore, after all these uh, rousing speeches, when uh, he won Ohio, but only by the skin of his teeth. Now, he was from Ohio. He should comfortably win there. Could he really do this? He started to have doubts. He then lost Indiana... And was utterly crushed in Montana. Really? Uh, yeah. Now he wasn't running in any state that Loudon or Wood was, because he didn't want to anger any of their supporters. Yeah. His whole plan rested on the fact that Loudon or Wood supporters would eventually support him. Yeah. So he was staying away from those primaries. So in theory, he should be able to win the primaries he was in fairly easily. He wasn't going against the two big names. Yeah. But he couldn't win them. He phoned his campaign manager, uh, the aforementioned Doherty, uh, and told him that he was going to give in. He was going to run for the Senate again. Florence heard this and angrily took the phone from her (laughs) husband and told Doherty that uh, this was simply not true. Harding (laughs) would be in the race still. You'll see. You'll see. Probably thinking I'm not putting up with being married to a womanising it, uh, and then not becoming first lady. Mm. Yeah. Um, Anyway, he needed not to have despaired too much. I mean, the plan was always to be the dark horse. They didn't need to win any of these primaries. Mm. From the start, Harding and Doherty had uh, been contacting people and getting them to promise that he was their second choice. Mm. All he needed to do was not annoy anyone too much and look like a good compromise, and then wait for the deadlock between Wood and Loden. And he'd get it. So come the convention, Harding had to decide whether he was going to attend personally. Now, ever since Roosevelt, uh, there had been a shift in the Republican conventions. It was now seen as acceptable that the nominee, hopeful, actually showed up and looked like he wanted the position. Fair enough. Slowly, someone in the back of the convention hall sadly did a reverse high-five. The Roman ethos was was dead. it's gone. It's it's going, yeah. Because Harding decided to go. Everyone else was going. All the forerunners were going. So he was going to go as well. Harding's plan to be a dark horse, by the way, wasn't a secret at all. It was fairly obvious what he was doing. Doherty himself predicted what would happen uh, right at the start of the convention. And I'll quote... I don't expect Senator Harding to be nominated on the first, second or third ballots, but I think we can afford to take chances that about 11 minutes after two Friday morning of the convention when 15 or 12 weary men are sitting around a table, someone will say, who will we nominate? And at that decisive time, the friends of Harding will suggest him and we can well afford to abide by the result. (laughs) Now this off the cuff remark from the campaign manager, uh, led to people later talking about sinister deals in smoky rooms. How did he know that was going to happen? <laughs> it's because that's the what always happens. <laughs> Well, yeah, the shocking thing, of course, is not that this is what happened, but the fact that there were some people who didn't realise that this was the norm. This is what yeah. happened in every convention. But people have become so used to it in the convention, people had stopped hiding it. Now, it's just, yeah. yeah, this is how it's done. We have chats in smoky rooms, and we decide who we're going to flip our votes to. Doherty's prediction was almost spot on. After eight rounds of voting on Saturday, not Friday, uh, everyone realised that the deadlock between Wood and Lowden was insurmountable. So, after some chats in some smoky rooms, uh, Lowden's supporters flipped. Uh, They offered their support to Harding simply to stop Wood from getting the vote. Harding was the nominee. He went immediately into campaign mode. (laughs) He was up against... Can you remember who he was up against? Wilson. No. no, Wilson's... Wilson wanted to run again, but he'd yeah. had a stroke and he was politely and firmly told no. No, I can't remember. Cox. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> a relatively unknown governor. Um, Harding decided that he would emulate the McKinley election. He, remember, he'd helped McKinley's election back in the day, and yeah. he really respected McKinley's election. Now, if you've uh, forgotten, McKinley ran what was known as a front porch campaign. Uh, rather than extensive touring, Harding was going to sit on his recently renovated front porch and let people come to him. Yeah. The lazy man's approach to yes, campaigning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he spent the summer writing speeches uh, and delivering them uh, from the porch. on his front porch. Uh, writing them himself. Uh, Incidentally, he is the last president recorded to write his own speeches. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Various groups turned up uh, to talk to him. Groups from many walks of life. Uh, Sports clubs, women's movements, uh, governors. Even some people came from the West Coast, California. Uh, A place called Hollywood uh, that had recently joined with Los Angeles. Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, we are three years away, by the way, from the famous Hollywoodland sign going up. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know if you know the origins of that sign. Hollywoodland was a uh, an advert for a housing development in the area called Hollywoodland. Oh. Uh, and it went up. It was not meant to be permanent. It was just an advert for the housing development. Uh, it became very run down. It was... Oh, this is off the top of my head. It's not in my notes. But if I remember correctly... In the 40s, they took the land part down, renovated it, so it just said Hollywood to stand for the area yeah. rather than the just the housing development. Yeah. But yeah, if you, you look up pictures for Hollywood land sign, you can see how it looked originally. And then look up the Hollywood sign in the 70s and look how dilapidated it had become by that point. Like one of the O's had disappeared and one of the other O's looked like a U and it was oh. all falling apart. Yeah. I went through a strange rabbit hole here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Hollywood's a thing is what I'm trying to say. So it's Only only just starting. Uh, but, yeah, they turned up. Anyway, Harding carried on giving his speeches. Uh, although some criticised Harding's lack of substance. One reporter described a speech, It reminds me of a string of wet sponges. <laughs> nice. Uh, which, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> However, Harding was helped by a very positive press. Um, Having worked in the newspaper industry for most of his life, he was able to please the reporters who came to see him. They were more than happy to endorse this man who, for example, refused to catch a train that was waiting for him uh, because he insisted that these hard-working reporters could get a quote.
0: Yeah, Yeah. he knows how to work it.
1: Oh, yeah. He even built the reporters a bungalow uh, in his garden so they could go somewhere to rest whilst they were covering him. So, as you can imagine, the reporters were were quite happy with him and happy to give him good press. Uh, There were a couple of issues, though. Uh, The first was an attack on Harding personally. That's right, it's the same old racist attack that Amos had used. Wonderful. Yeah, uh, Many in the Democratic Party attempted to spread the word That the presidential nominee was actually secretly a black man Just very well disguised Democrats Uh, However, these were unofficial tactics Uh, Cox and Harding's campaigns officially refused to acknowledge the (laughs) rumours They wanted nothing to do with it Uh, Although there was some rumour that Cox was secretly encouraging it More
0: than likely
1: Uh, The ignore tactic worked And with the Cox campaign not willing to openly, overtly be racist, at least, uh, the story just died a death. The other problem, however, was Jerry. Oh. Landry or Harding's penis? Which (laughs) one are we talking about now? (laughs) So sorry, Jerry. (laughs) Uh, No, no, the penis, Jerry. Uh, (laughs) Or rather, I should say, (laughs) uh, Carrie Phillips. The fact that she still had... All of the letters Oh Right Harding realised That it might be a problem That Carrie Had hundreds of letters From him Talking about Jerry Yeah So In a meeting That I really 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 wish I was a fly on the wall for (laughs) uh, He went to see Certain people High up in the Republican Party They obviously Had a meeting Right Any skeletons In the cupboard We need to be aware of Before we start This campaign Harding Well, maybe one. (laughs) And it's a biggie. (laughs) It's all very shady. We don't get all the details, but it would appear someone in the Republican Party approached Carrie and her husband and asked what it would take for them to, uh, just make sure this all goes away. (laughs) Uh, The reply came, How about a tour of Asia and the Pacific Islands? And then an annual payment for the rest of our lives. Of course, <laughs> was the reply. Yes, let's uh, so hope we get a nice, strong, sturdy boat for you for your cruise. <laughs> 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 right. Well, I mean, the cruise straight away. Let's let's get you out the country, yeah. um, and the annual payments to keep you sweet whilst uh, Harding's president. Mm. So that's how we're starting this with a uh, bribe money. Fantastic. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Anyway, the campaign continued and the advancements in technology made it easier for the Harding campaign to get their message across the land. Uh, photographs and voice recordings were used extensively, billboards, newspaper adverts, even telephone calls and motion pictures.
0: Oh. Yeah. These weren't talkies, though, this time,
1: would they? They would have been. No, but a waving Harding, perhaps. Yeah. With his arm around his mate, Jerry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, they had to pay to get rid of that one as well. Yeah. So, on November the 2nd, 1920, and if you were writing extensive notes, you'll remember that this is his birthday, incidentally, his 55th birthday. It was election day. Florence became the first wife to vote for her husband to become president. Oh. Because obviously women can now vote. Of course. Now, if Harding had any worries, he need not have had the worries. He... Sorry, I'm looking at my notes, and honestly, when I wrote this sentence, I thought nothing of it. (laughs) He utterly destroyed (laughs) carks. 60% of the popular vote to 34%. That is 404 electoral college votes to 127. Wow, that is a... Yeah, if you look at the map, it is only, like, the South, as in the Civil War South, yeah. that voted for Cox. Ooh. Literally the rest of the country, which is pretty much filled in by this point, states-wise, all went for Harding. So there you go. Vague promises of being patriotically American had won the day, and America <laughs> were going to find out whether this man would just vague notions of being american would be a good president let's see shall we so there you go that's part one. Oh, that was yeah that, that that was that was actually
0: quite interesting he's an interesting guy
1: not a nice guy no he's not a nice guy um he's unpleasant in a different way to wilson yes but wilson was incredibly dull at least harding's not dull <laughs> yeah i won't wouldn't necessarily want to be his friend but he makes for a far more interesting president to research and that's for damn sure yes uh, So predictions for his presidency apart from the fact you know he dies uh obviously not very good i'm guessing do you know how long he lasts no i won't get your hopes up it's not amusingly short okay
0: <laughs> i was gonna say uh i've got a little special surprise for you at the end of the episode rob
1: oh okay this is coming from nowhere yeah. what's this i've got a game to play a game to play with you yeah you're going to play a game with me I'm suddenly very scared oh don't,
0: don't you don't have to be that scared right what I've got are some yeah. famous quotations from presidents we either covered or they're quite well known you've got to guess the president
1: oh don't do this I'm not going to be able to do that's this
0: right. that's <laughs> no, So I think some, some you're able to get <laughs> some you're able to get
1: There's, you've
0: got a total of six to get right go on them right. this is number one yeah, yeah. change yeah. will not come If we wait for some other person, or if we wait for some other
1: time. Who said that? I'll give you a clue. It's more of a modern president. Not one we've covered. No. Oh, right. Um, If it's not one we've covered, uh, that could well be Obama. You are correct. One point to you. Oh, yes. One point to me. This
0: one. I don't know if this one's accurate, but apparently it's a... For this president. <laughs> where, where are you getting these from?
1: <laughs> is it the back of a crisp packet or something?
0: Maybe. 99% of failures come from people who make excuses. This is a president we have covered quite Ooh, an okay. ambitious
1: president, I'll give you that. One we've covered who was ambitious, someone who had no truck with failure. Um, that could be many of them. Yeah. That could be Lincoln.
0: <laughs> Oh. It, was our, it was our first president. It Mr. George Washington. Oh, you see, I was, thinking,
1: I was thinking either Washington or Lincoln, but I went for Lincoln just being really annoyed by all the generals refusing to fight the war. Yeah, that's, that, that's
0: fair. Uh, right, th-
1: this one, this is another president we have covered. Any man okay. worth his salt will stick up
0: for what he believes right, but it takes a slightly better man to acknowledge instantly and without
1: reservation that he is in error. Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm assuming the cocking of the gun is, is in the quote <laughs> because that's what he was doing at the time but I feel it gives the game away. Yeah, I'm decided. guessing that's Jackson. Yeah, it's Andy
0: Jackson. Sorry, i was... Yeah. <laughs> right, here we go. This is, this is an easy point. Ask not what your country can do for you but what you can do for your country. It's easy one. Trump? Was that Trump? He said something like that recently. Um, <laughs> no, that would be JFK. That's JFK. Right, next one. It is hard to fail but it is worse than ever to have tried to
1: succeed. Covered or not? Yeah, we've covered this one. that That's very generic. That could it literally is. be anyone. Yeah. I'm going to go for, though, because these have all been famous presidents you're quoting so far, yep. so it's not going to be a, like a haze, because nope. also the word splendid's not in there. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be Polk, although that would suit Polk really well, because it's kind of a smug thing he'd say after taking off his list. <laughs> uh... I'm going to say Roosevelt. Which one? We've only covered one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there no, you got that. You got that right. Well done. Yes. Right, last one.
0: I never understood wind. You know, I know windmills very much. They're noisy. They kill birds. You want to see a bird graveyard? Go under a windmill someday. You'll see more birds than you've ever seen in your life. Which, uh,
1: which president, which leader of the free world do you think said that? I believe that that was the uh, the wise words of the other Roosevelt, <laughs> Franklin, Franklin
0: Roosevelt. Yes, yes, it was. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'm really glad I got that. Well, thank you for that game. That's all right. But you got five <laughs> out of six. That's pretty impressive. You did quite well. That's not bad. You did yeah. not bad. Okay. That was fun. Good. I didn't do as bad as I feared I would. Right, okay, well on that note uh, I will say next time we get to see what Harding was up to in the White House apart from what we already know he was up to in the White House. Yes. Thank you very much for listening. Download us all in all the places. Please leave a a review. Leave a review somewhere telling us how much you enjoyed the adventures of Jerry. And uh, (laughs) until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Wonderful old fellow just just writing a note to the uh, the old mistress you know Oh to Carrie how is she She's fine shall I send you your regards Jerry
0: Oh that'd be fantastic I haven't, haven't seen her in a long time at least a month I think
1: Yes, what, what would you like me to say to her?
0: I'd oh, just I'd love to meet up with her again really soon.
1: Yes, okay, I'll, I'll write that down. Jerry is very excited, shall I put excited? I think excited, Excited yes. to see you again, Carrie.
0: I mean, look at me, it's like being back in the army, I'm just standing to attention. <laughs>
1: he is standing to
0: attention. Oh, oh, please, please, I'd love to meet her again. I'm, I would weep for joy if I got
1: to see her again. He is weeping for joy... Uh, anything else? I'm struggling almost to re- contain myself. He is struggling to
0: contain himself. Almost ready to explode. Explode. In fact, scratch all that. Tell it to come round to my house so I can show him my new billiard
1: table. Playing with balls. Dying for you to handle them. Excellent. I think I've covered everything you wanted to say. Jerry? Uh, oh, splendid. A- anything else at the end? Well, actually, if we could arrange a quick. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's going on a cruise. <laughs> <laughs>